Welcome, reanimated fans. This is H.A. Conrad coming to you live from the West Coast this time with my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin. Sorry. While we are live, we're not. this is not going to be broadcast live. but Well, live right now. In the same room at the same time, talking about the same show. It's pretty exciting, and it's very exciting because it's actually our 400th episode. On paper. On paper. Not in theory. In reality, it's like our 500th, probably. <laughs> Well, in any case, I would like to say that we had planned this, but really it's just an impromptu thing. And, you know, maybe the best late plans go awry, so this is probably good that it was an impromptu thing. But it happened to coincide with the premiere of the newest episode of the newest Walking Dead franchise, which is unfortunately named The Ones Who Lived. But, you know... We'll, we'll go with it. And anyway, it's good. And we're here in the same space. It was fun watching it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we do that, we have a couple of little zombie news tidbits. Um, one is that there is a, I guess, zombie is what they call them, I guess, a zombie comedy yeah. um, with uh, Zelda Williams, who's Robin Williams' daughter. Um, and Cody Diablo, I think, is is the director of this, and she's the one who directed Juno. Yeah. Um, and so there is a whole article about this, and I it's I'm happy to to watch it and review it. How are you feeling about it? I don't really know what to expect. I think I respect Cody Diablo's work previously, mm. so I don't know anything about Zelda Williams. Right. And cool this name. is this is called. Lisa Frankenstein, and so um, I guess we can we can check it out when it comes out. I think it's coming out pretty soon. And weirdly, I haven't heard like a ton about this. I think I saw one little thing about this, and then this is sort of like the big thing that I've heard. So, in any case, stay tuned, and we will probably take a look at it, and uh, you know, take it that from there. In other news, did you want to talk about zombie viruses? Zombie viruses? Oh, never. Never want to talk about zombie viruses, but uh, yeah, what do, what do you know about Siberian? Is it Siberian ones again? So this is the weird thing. This comes up really often. There there have been like multiple articles about this, and basically there is a big fear, and not necessarily an unfounded fear that because the permafrost is getting warmer due to global warming, that something could get you know sort of thawed out and might cause some problems like other pandemics and things like that um, because there are viruses that have been basically frozen in there and they don't, they can reanimate <laughs> essentially um, as if they were never frozen. So I don't know. I don't really like to think about it that much. And so honestly, every time these articles come up, I tend to click by, but um, this, this one seems a little bit scarier somehow to me. I don't know why, um, but it's more just their theorizing. So I'm going to like, Deal with it later, which is probably the wrong attitude. To I would take. also file that under. Let's deal with that later. Um, things that are also going to be have to dealt with later are include all of us are dead season two, which I saw an article today. I forget where it was. Maybe Screen Rant, which is not one of my favorite news sources, saying that it is not on Netflix's uh, release list of K dramas for this year, which is so very upsetting. Twenty twenty five is what we might expect. And their leap of logic, which actually is not a, really a logical leap, is that these kids were probably all in their 20s when they were playing high school kids three or four years ago, or three or four years when the first show came out. It's been two years since release. Now it's going to be maybe another two, 
they're in production, I think, is what we've heard. We I remember we, we, were, we reported that before. But um, so Screen Rant is, is uh, impl- inferring that there will be a time jump in the show, too. And that might not be the worst thing to happen ever because they were getting into all that like there's other half zombie, half humans out there. Um, like Namra, if you remember, if you yeah. can even remember that. Plot. I do. That I actually ago. remember it very well because that was such a great show. Yeah. But, um, but no, I mean, you, look, the the nice thing that they can do is that they can zoom forward and do whatever they want. Sure. Honestly, with the timeline. Um, but speaking of things that are also being held over, apparently Stephen King called out uh, the powers that be about holding uh, Salem's lot. And so that, I'm not quite sure all the details that surrounded that, but we've noted several times that there have been conflicting reports about when this was going to be released, then it wasn't. Um, I think we talked about it multiple times that it was supposed to be released, and it still has not been. So So this isn't the first time he's gone online and said, I've seen the new movie, it's good. He called it muscular in one of his other tweets. Yeah, I don't know if I appreciate Um, (laughs) that particular review, but... So in this one he says, between you, me, and Twitter, I've seen the new Salem's Lot and it's quite good. Old school horror filmmaking, slow build, big payoff. Not sure why Warner Brothers is holding it back. Not like it's embarrassing or anything. Who knows? I just wrote the blank thing. Uh, it's so it's it's getting it's getting to the point where he's trying to I don't know shame a, a, a multi <laughs> a, you know multinational comp- company into uh, releasing a movie I don't think that's going to work in the long run. Well, also I mean I I think that there must be something else going on for him to to be heading out into the twitters or the X's I guess <laughs> at this point. Well, he can't but... start collecting uh, residuals until right. it's been published I guess. Right. But we also know that his track record in terms of, you know, films that he is really super attached to, like he does create the storylines, but there's a lot more that goes on with it. And it does worry me a little bit because I know that they had to re-edit certain things and that usually doesn't bode well for the quality of whatever the the product is. But maybe it's great. Maybe there's other things. Maybe they are timed timing it specifically to come out like at Halloween at this point. I don't know. But... We will wait and see, and we'll report on the multiple announcements that they make about it in the near future. I mean, April, I think, is the anniversary of them taking it off of their schedule, their yeah. release schedule. And that's, then they missed a whole Halloween, you know, like, I don't know. I, so it's beyond my ken. I don't get it. Stephen King doesn't get it. And things that we wish were being held back, Zombies for the Disney style oh, thing is coming out. I know. I'm just saying, it's there. We have to talk about it just to say that. We're never going to review it. I mean, my kids are probably going to want to watch it at some point, so I'm, I mean, I'm somewhat resigned to that. You can bond with them over it. They want to They want to join you in your zombie love, Stuart. It's true. Uh, what's not to love? Oh, we'll see. I, I've never I've never watched any of it. If it's anything like Descendants, I was a little bit kind of not really interested in that show, but mm-hmm. then, honestly, it had some pretty good choreography and good singing. <laughs> so maybe maybe Zombies is a great uh, franchise that I just haven't given it, it a It could chance. be their starter zombie franchise. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, uh, I've seen some of those cast members actually doing uh, like game shows, and you know they're they're actors, they're they're charismatic, charming people, so probably mm. fine. But this is not why we're here today, AJ Conrad. What are we What are we actually going to be digging into? I mean, you already said it at the top of the show. I did, but we watched an hour of The Walking Dead: colon, The Ones Who Live uh, not long ago. Do you Do you want to do a first impression? 
Well, I want to talk about a few things, but first of all, we should give a quick warning. There's a warning in the episode and a trigger warning. There is um, a suicidal moment um, or a semi-pre-suicidal moment. There's a lot of self-harm. There's a lot of self-harm in this. Um, So just flagging it for anybody that may um, want to know that and just avoid that. So putting that out there just before we even start talking about the show, because I think that's important. But um, so there's that. Um, But with that, moving on. And if you haven't seen the episode, please don't listen to this and come back after you've listened to it. And then let us know what you think. Um, But this is the long-awaited spinoff show with Rick and Michonne. And uh, we watched the opening credits, and there is a lot of um, credit given to the two leads of the show as as uh, creators, as writers. Yeah. Um, so um, um, Danae Guerrera and Andrew Lincoln are listed along with Scott Gimple multiple times in the opening um, sort of opening credits. Yeah, like so. you said, as as creators. Story concept. He did the teleplay, but they came up with the story. Yep. Uh, so that's that feels kind of like fresh. Uh, when you think back to uh, what was what was the year that Rick left the show? Andrew Lincoln left the show. Do you the remember actual year? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. But so it was season seven. No, it couldn't have. It must have been later than that. I don't, is, don't know about that. I should not ask stupid questions. I don't know the answer. Well, to Well, you on can the edit podcast. this out later. <laughs> I thought it was season six. No, seven. I think it was seven. Nine. Oh, there we go. <laughs> way off. Way off. So it's been... It's It was because of that one season that felt like... Well, eternity. there was yeah, season, uh, yeah. season 11. Took, and season anyway. 10 had like extra time. So in like real years, it's been 200 years uh, since Andrew Lincoln mm-hmm. left The Walking Dead. But it's been like five in, in real, real time, I think, or three mm-hmm. or four. Uh, a lot of time has passed. Danai Guerrero left shortly after him, one season later. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a trip to see. I mean, uh, you know, right to the end of the episode, they're back on the they're back yeah. on this show together. This is a show about both um, of them. This does feel like new ground is being trod. It's new ground. I don't know of any other franchise where people were, have been, you know, off the show for this long and come back in this way and something that features basically the two stars of the show in their own thing, kind of separate from the original franchise. I'm sure there must be something, but I cannot think of it. Um, but this feels like unprecedented, un- honestly. But um, it was really good to see Andrew Lincoln, I will admit to you. I will say, whatever he has been doing in these years, um, his his beard has gone a little bit more gray, but his skin looks dewy soft, and he really looks incredibly like he looks so much better than he did at the very end. Um, which you know was, if people remember, he was incredibly like ground in, and he had the the crazy eyes going for a while. Like he looks fantastic. Um, Andrew Lincoln is is fit. Um, yeah, he looks he looks good for sure. He does look good. I agree. Uh, considering I've only seen him do like one made-for-TV movie of A Christmas Carol, I feel like, Andrew Lincoln. I don't know what else he's been up to. I think he's been hanging out and, I don't know, working out, I guess. Making up for all that time in Georgia. Um, But it was good to see him, and it was good to see his character. And honestly, he jumped right into it. And I'll admit to you, I was a little bit worried because sometimes you see these things happen where people are a little bit away from whatever show it is or whatever character it is. And honestly, it takes them a minute or they can't, they just can't get right back into it. It feels almost like they're trying to find 
whoever that was again. Mm. And oh no, he is full on Rick. He is Rick Grimes and... He was always described in like behind the scenes stuff as being really meth, well, kind of method, like always had his headphones in, was always kind of in the zone, mm-hmm. spoken in American accent on set. Um, so maybe maybe that's easier to channel when you're like that at work, if you're, you've always acted right. one way and now he's around the same people in Georgia and Jersey City, apparently. And sort of Philadelphia, I guess. But um, he, you know, basically we get to see also what happened in the CRM. And there's a few things that are explained to some extent. We should talk about the fact that there were flashbacks, not flashbacks. There was sort of um, a recap scene. A really scattershot recap. It's like a lengthy recap that also reminds you of how much time has gone by. Because Judith was... So little. Was she an infant still, basically, when he left? She was like a toddler? No, she was, but was she? No, she the was time still... jump happened after he after he left the show. Oh, so I guess maybe she was right. Um... Like that, all that time is when Daryl is out walking up and down the riverbanks. Um, Michonne has that falling out with uh, Hilltop and the Maggie stuff. Hmm. I guess it all kind of blended a little bit. For me I mean, it's been a while. Point. Um, but no, I mean, there's. There's been a there's been a bit of time passage, so they were definitely trying to cram a lot into this just to flag certain things that you may have forgotten. Um, one of them, I mean, they even um, show scenes from the other the spinoff, world beyond. the world yeah. beyond. Well, they have to because that's the CRM show, really. Right. So they want to remind you who the CRM is because that's clearly who he's been taken by. They re- want to remind you about A's and B's and what that means. Which I think was kind of the low point of the episode. Yeah, big mystery, but I think we all kind of figured out what it might have been, or at least an idea of what it was. T- to me, this episode is all about like this thesis of would Rick Grimes ever give up trying to get back to Michonne and Judith? And we've all been asking that question as we've watched the show over the past several years of like, what could have possibly kept him from coming back? You know, this is his daughter. This is his wife. They have a son together, too. He doesn't mention her, though. Him. The entire no. episode. Not once. Nope. Yeah, not at all. I mean, and... But what I will say is that the answer is what I... And I and have to say I'm really happy about this. The answer is, is, resoundedly, he would not give up. He would not give up. Ever. Well, eventually he actually does give up. But not... Sort of, but I mean, not he like. Does. Eventually, I guess he's like, he does, uh, but, but you know, there's the scene of him throwing their photos in the fire. He's like, uh, and then yeah. I was done. Yeah, but mainly it's because he doesn't want people to find out about them. So it's not like he's giving up on that level. He just knows he can't have that stuff around. Um, so anyway, um, but yeah, that's to me that's like the big picture thesis of the story they were trying to tell. And so to to get there, they took an hour. Hmm. of showing like how much he basically tortured himself and how much he put himself through before it's really, he ended up there. It's yeah. really a good Rick journey of torture. It yeah. is. Um, and, you know, I really enjoyed seeing him on screen again. I loved um, how he is just unreservedly Rick. And even in the... We see... They play a lot with time in this episode, though. So there's a lot of confusion because right. there are dream episodes, there are flashbacks... Um, so it does deliberately, I think, try to put you off kilter, um, because it also flashes into things we have seen. You have voiceover narration of, of like letters he's writing, which are really just diary entries. Right. That you don't know when he's writing them, what he's, what he's talking about. You start at the beginning, sorry, you start at the end sort of with him watching the fall of Omaha and then that happens again later. So they are trying to keep you off. 
yeah. off balance. Um, and they show a couple of scenes twice, which is that one and, you know, the, the trigger scene we had kind of mentioned. But um, he, you know, we, we see sort of the life he's been pulled into. I will say I find it somewhat implausible, though, that the CRM is out there basically expending an enormous amount of resources and energy snagging people from the wilderness to just come and like work on these like kind of big work gains feels like that that is a little bit lame um it doesn't really fully hold water for me um but i guess they need manpower woman power person power to be able to keep their communities going but part of it is a little bit what we talked about before it's like okay you're spending such an enormous number of resources to do what exactly what are what is your power what are you doing other than you know Staying secret. Right. It feels like an, a lot of energy is being expended. Um, and again, not fully clear about how all this works, how they actually grow crops. And if you've got this, these people kind of like taking out the zombies um, or the delts, as they call them in this. Um, but, you know... They're not, <laughs> that's just sort of like their function is doing this thing. And basically the whole, the whole way that this works is, is that they pull in consignment, p- these people that are consignees. Yeah. And they basically have to work off their burden to be able to join as citizens, like basically pay your dues and then you can join the higher echelon as these citizens. But the, the payoff seems to be kind of like, I don't know. It just feels well. The 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 standard route, I think, is what is this Esteban character is supposed to show us? Right. Is he was a consignee for six years, and then finally he got a job, basically running their utilities. Yeah. <laughs> which feels like he went in right at the top of of a pretty important job. Uh, so like that's the kind of that's the good stuff on the that's the sweet you know treat that they're looking for. Rick, of course, is just like, because he keeps trying to run away, and they're like, why are you trying to run away, and we should have killed you anyway. Uh, he's stuck on on murdering walkers. I think you and I are always wanting to see how they get their food. They kind of made us ask this question in the world beyond because they basically blew up Omaha because yeah. of food. They were yeah. like, we cannot support this community, uh, which was just mind-boggling. So we we always want to see we wanted to see that with the uh, the, the Commonwealth the Commonwealth they never showed us their no but they can either. get have cakes and ice cream no they had problem cakes, they had ice creams they had M sixteens um, but yeah. I still wanted to see the food they gave a little tip of the hat to this with some discussion of millet right. but that was about it because um, apparently Okafor his bedroom is just lined with millet plants <laughs> but no but I mean you do have Rick. You know, and he's not behaving well, so maybe that's why he's consigned to this. Maybe the consignment process is to basically weed out the people that would be a threat to the community and give them time to assess that. I guess I could see a little bit of that. But again, I want to see more about how they are supporting these communities. You know, they really just sort of show us a little bit of like, oh, this is what it's like to be a citizen. And they're hanging out on a picnic bench in some green... I don't know. It's like, Wood, it's Woodbury all over again. Yeah, basically. So anyway, they're never going to show us exactly what we want to see, which is honestly the super nerdiest things. When, the, when what I imagine it's like is more like Handmaid's Tale, Econo wives, commanders. Uh, I, I don't imagine that the CRM city, which has like newspapers and stuff we saw in the world beyond, is yep. just like super happy place. But uh, you know that's what they, that's what it is, I guess. But, and again, this is Jersey City looking into Philadelphia, it looks like. Though the skyline looks a little weird to me. But in any case, 
Um, you know, Rick keeps talking to his buddy and was like, I'm never going to give up looking for my wife and my, you know, my family and all this other stuff. And, um, and he shows how dedicated he is. I mean, you see there is a huge, um, span of time that they float through. Um, and Rick, it, this was a piece that they definitely kept under wraps. I definitely was not aware of this, but they have his first, or I mean, at least this escape um, plan where he basically is sent out to take care of some burning walkers and decides to cut off his own hand. And I actually, we both thought it might be a dream sequence at first because it was so drastic. Um, and even though we've seen all these shots, I mean, maybe I, I haven't been reading people's reactions to the trailer. Maybe people were pointing out that he had no hand on I his left and out of his left sleeve. We've seen these shots in the trailer. I just never noticed it. He's he pulled a Rick from the from the comics like that happened in Alexandria I want to say or somewhere like that is when he cut off his hand in the in the comics so yeah it was early it but... was pretty early on but now he finally is missing his his hand like his character in the book uh, and he, he kind of quickly gets past that and gets a badass new new prosthetic with that little. Uh, it's like a black... It's a little switchblade knife that comes out of the thing. Yeah, a black fist with a, I don't know, a six-inch to nine-inch nine knife comes out of it. I guess I thought because they didn't go that route at all during the entire show, I did not think that they would do this. So it was just, it was pretty, I was like, all right, go, you go. <laughs> so yeah. that was. So they showed that. They also show um, his interactions with... Um, um, Okafor. Okafor is, is um, like recruiter. This guy, this this is also like the A's and the B's and Okafor's plan. Which we, to be fair, we don't really know exactly what he's trying to do. In theory, he's recruiting people like Rick and this other character Thorn mm -hmm. because they are A's who were let in accidentally or accidentally on purpose. They're they're not supposed to be letting in anybody with a backbone to the CRM, and Rick has backbone for lots of people apparently and so does this woman thorn and Th and okafor who's kind of one of the architects of the crm is what beal this other guy beal makes it sound like later mm. Locke from lost also that man has not aged terry o'quinn yeah. looks really good <laughs> he's looking good uh the okafor is like i want to change it from the inside but he doesn't really say what kind of changes he's looking to implement i don't feel like i got that message although he was like now let's read a book about the cold war I don't understand that. There was a lot I felt like that was happening. I was like, I don't know. What's happening There right was now? a lot of ground. I feel like they were trying to cover a lot of ground, and they were let, trying to give us a lot of information. Yeah. Some of it was very successful, and some of it wasn't. But now this architect of this change is gone, because he doesn't last through the episode. No. So you're like, well, what, why did we do all that? That felt and like a lot of work for me. It's a lot of work. Um, I mean, I think the big things in this episode are that we established that he is definitely trying to get back to Michonne. It explains a lot of things. We have the portraits that he has etched of them in the phones, which is also kind of funny and weird that he has, like, multiple phones with portraits on them. Yeah. Because there seems to like there could be a better way to hold portraits, but I guess not. And anyway, we see, you know, we see a scene of him by the shoreline, which we've seen before, and that's, like, kind of what they used to tease this whole thing. Yeah. Um, we also have mentioned, Okafor mentions that he knows all about them and that he's told um, Beale about them, or, like, he's he's using this as blackmail over, over Rick's head, basically, so that Rick feels like he's got to stay because Okafor is, like, basically using every single um, trick to, to keep Rick 
Um, Ultimately, that is what does it in. It is. Yeah. It is. He's because... like, look, I know, I know who the, your wife and uh, daughter are, mm-hmm. basically, and I could, I could just go back to where we found you, and probably track them down. Yeah, because uh, she's got an unusual name, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Where's Judith? She's in the Commonwealth now. She's in like two states away. Yeah, from where yeah. So they was. probably won't find her. But Rick doesn't know that. So. Rick, well, he's like, you know. Um, so in any case, he semi blackmails Rick into this. Or fully blackmails him. There's not semi anything about it. But um, we see all these things sort of being tied together, things that we had seen pieces of before. So they have to do that. They also have to establish the whys of why he hasn't gotten back to them. And I think that they did a pretty good job at that. Basically, every time he's tried to run, he gets brought back by Okafor, who's been protecting him, honestly, to maybe his own detriment if it in the end, if he was found out, he probably would not be surviving very long. So he brought Thorne and Rick in, and then Thorne and Rick have a bond because they both have similar reasons. I don't know. Or, I feel like they're going to end up killing each other. Or become enemies. I mean, it feels a little bit like that, but... She's 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 pretty uh, scratchy. She's she a, is. She's an antagonist, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. But, I mean, similar motivations, which is also a great uh, recipe for frenemies, enemies, whatever former allies. Um, so she got stuck in the U.S. because she was at a poker tournament and um, basically... What a weird origin story. It's a little bit weird, but essentially she gave up but trying to go back to South Africa and have somebody she loves there. And so they have this commonality, which is probably going to put them as adversaries down the line. I know that that's what the show wants us to think, but she has been in the States since Z-Day, she mm. doesn't. She has no idea what's going on in South Africa no. with her former lover, what uh, husband, who knows, loved ones. She also. It's really difficult to cross the. Well, we think it's difficult to cross the Atlantic. Daryl clearly can do it. The French are just going back and forth like nobody's business. I wonder how they're going to make that story if it's going to enter into this. Maybe. But so she's like, you know what? They might still be out there, but I'm gone. Is kind of eventually how she explains it to Rick. But I'm like, you have no idea. He, they lived for years after the apocalypse. Right. They are. They were fine. Uh, so it's not okay. I don't know. Like I just felt like it was an apples and oranges uh, thing for her to be like, you and I are exactly the same. I've just been trying to get to South Africa. You try to keep trying to get back to Virginia, and that's just as impossible. Which I'm like, is nope. no, no. It's super close, actually, and not across an ocean. I do think that they are setting that up. I could be wrong, but it feels like there's going to be a Daryl something where she gets to go back or there's that some... could be interesting. I, I think there's... It feels like they're saying that, like, because the way she was like, I don't even know if there's anything going over there anymore and all that kind of thing. It, felt, it really felt like they're setting... The they're, fifth they're, spinoff, we go to Africa. Maybe they go to South Africa. <laughs> um, but um, in any case, they tried to cram a lot in... And they also, so they tried to establish her and, and Rick as frenemies, allies, whatever you want to call them. She keeps basically pulling him back and saying, look, um, we can't do what you think we're going to do. And she's the one who told Rick not to escape because uh, Okafor knows about his, she says he knows things about you, which is like, could be so many things. It could be you grow a crazy beard and then you get really crazy. It doesn't necessarily have to be about his family, but she said something like, he knows all about you, and that was enough for Rick to go and like challenge him and find out that apparently he knows about Michonne. And which led us to understand that Okafor is okay getting his ass kicked for like five minutes just to Yeah, in his millet. Just to like have a conversation. 
Right. Um, <laughs> so but and then there's Okafor, who's like basically going out, apparently going out into the ocean, saving Thorn, getting like shot in the right, head he for his trouble. Right. He found her troubles. in the middle of the Atlantic. She said. Yeah, and then he he goes after Rick multiple times, and it's like, okay, this is an awful lot of effort to set up people who don't want to be leaders in your organization, and this is to save the CRM ostensibly. Anyway. Um, but he doesn't last very long, so we don't need to worry about him. Um, he gets that's, that's such a weird decision for the show yeah. to me because he has been set up as this guy who's who's got a plan, and we just I I mean, does Rick know what it is at this point? Maybe he does because he's he's, he's been made a part of it. There was a montage mm. of them setting up that base where he was like getting down to the business of being a CRM guy, and maybe we're supposed to believe that during that time it was a year. He like read all of Okafor's plans and now knows exactly what's what they're gonna try and do together. But of course, all that gets thrown out mm-hmm. the window because, uh, well, Michonne shoots a helicopter out of the sky. Yeah, and uh, she makes a really great entrance. And I will say she's been doing that the whole series. Oh, the whole series! Like she makes the best entrances out of anybody. I mean, every episode she makes a great entrance. But in this case. Um, they get shot down, Okafor is killed, and then Rick and the rest of his team are coming out, and somebody comes in swinging with a machete, and or a katana, rather, and um, and also some, like, pretty... Um, rocket, rocket gun, right? Yeah, yeah like something. these rocket uh, projectiles. She's got an incredible, like, her usual armor, but a costume, and she's got this face mask, um, and basically almost kills Rick, but takes off his mask just at the last moment. But the moment that they see each other is really, honestly, pretty electric. Yeah. They like they are really great together. Those two have always had insane chemistry, and it's totally there. And I'm really psyched to see the next episode. Um, they are very much like back in it, and it feels it feels like they never left it. Like those two have always had such um, really great scenes together. So. Um, and based on the trailers for the next episode, this is going to be the Michonne half of things. Yeah, what she's been up to. You know, part of me is like, it took it took uh, 55 minutes of this episode to get Rick to the point of where he wasn't going to think about Michonne anymore. We have one three-minute montage of him just being a, CR, a good CRM guy, and then a mm-hmm. two-minute conversation with Okafor in a helicopter where he's telling Okafor about a dream he's had or something about his dad and his yeah. house. And then the next thing you know, Okafor's dead. And all of that is maybe done for the story. But probably not, because they've put way too much work into it. But then suddenly there's Michonne again. And I, I kind of, part of me thinks, wouldn't it have been interesting to have one more episode or half another episode of him, like, kind of just completely as a CRM guy, not running into her at the end of this episode? Well, I mean, I think everybody wants to see the two of them together. Service. And they did actually see them together, even though they weren't in the same space in reality, because all of his dreams are about her. Oh, They're yes. also about her in this, like, weird, like, like you know, not in this world. They're both almost in, like, these apparently very boring corporate day jobs. And uh, he's courting her and having these recurring dreams of Michonne and bringing her pizza and, like, offering to marry her. So I mean, there's all that. Her hair is amazing. Her hair is, well, she looks amazing no matter what. Um, no matter what she does, she looks amazing. But um, th- that is a whole thing throughout this whole episode is, like, he just is completely at peace whenever he is with her. Again, 
both of them, their skin looks phenomenal. <laughs> um, they really have not aged at all. They look so good. Um, and so that that is definitely an aspect of this. I, and you just skipped over a pretty vital piece. We've never really known about Rick's background. Oh, the, like his dad, yeah. That was a completely new backstory. Yeah, so there's a whole thing where his dad is a farmer and basically set fire to crops to save the farm because it was failing and I guess maybe insurance? I don't know. Insurance fraud, basically. Um, and this is the first time we've really heard anything truly about Rick's um like background on this level, at least on this show. Um, so I thought that that was kind of a an interesting thing and an interesting thing to introduce in a helicopter right before everything goes to hell. Mm-hmm. And right before you kill Okafor, who has been this... I really thought he was in it for the long haul. I guess I was wrong, but I was Pretty like... Pretty great actor. I mean, he did a great job. Oh, he's fantastic. But um, this was sort of a... Like... And I knew that something had to be coming because it was almost like too easy. Like, like Rick's not just going to like give up. They have to do something and they did. And then he's right back with Michonne. Um, but I think that's part of what's so effective is that he actually had given up on seeing her again. He wants to protect her. So he hides the whole, the, the iPhone portraits, which obviously can identify her. These, these portraits of them are not very good. They're not fantastic. They're like line drawings. They're, they're ideas of people, which I, I think, I also thought that was kind of a cool idea because it's like you can't take a photo of somebody. Yep. So you're going to have these things that just e- like evoke what you think of somebody. I have a very interesting question to ask you, which, you know, I had this conversation with somebody recently and it was really kind of surprising, but... Um, and I'll admit, it's my husband. I had the conversation with him. Uh, apparently, he has a really hard time um, picturing people's faces. Like, he can picture photos of them, but he can't think of them as, like, they are in real life, hmm. um, which is maybe a type of facial blindness, and some people have that. Um, but how do you – can you remember people, like, the way you see them in real life? Can you, like, evoke them when you think of somebody or you think of their face or you're just thinking of, like, them as a concept? I can remember people's faces pretty clearly. Okay, me too. So this is why this was sort of a surprise. You could could rattle off a list of people that we know in common, and some of them I just might not remember at all. Mm, Well, that's (laughs) that's fair. But I'm saying, like, you obviously remember your wife, your kids, like, things like that. Yeah, yeah, I can remember Um, faces. And we were having this conversation with a group of people, and there were multiple people who said similar things. Um, So I found that to be really interesting because that's something for me that is a very, like, sharp thing. Like, I remember somebody's face. But... As you are away from people, um, you know, especially if you haven't seen them or or they're out of your lives or whatever, th- things do start to fade. So I would imagine like having this memory or at least something that like, hey, this is like the idea of what they are could help bring that back. Yeah. Um, so the fact that he ultimately lets that very important thing go is a huge thing. And he does it because he's trying to protect them and maybe a little bit because he's trying to like shield himself from the pain even in that whole oh, like voiceover that he does he's basically saying um i'm not really thinking about anything anymore yeah. <laughs> because he can't it's too painful i'm dead inside I, I mean i wonder honestly if he even drew those i think that's kind of the implication but also one of the phones that michonne has has japanese characters written on it mm. um, and they're going to talk about it because it's in the trailer that guy translates it for her and says hold on just a little bit longer rick I think is what the Japanese, the kanji, whatever says. So I wonder if he didn't describe those faces to the artist or 
he did it himself. And maybe that'll come into more clarity as the story goes along. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm not really excited about a lot of flashbacks. No. One episode of getting caught up. Like I said, though, I would have been interested in him just being kind of like in fully invested in CRM for a little while longer than the five minutes that we got. I would have liked a little bit more about how it actually works and maybe a little bit more with Beale. Um, just to well, kind we're of... We're going to definitely see more of Beale. We are going to see more of him, absolutely. But um, it just felt a little too... Um, I don't, I don't want to say surface level, but I wanted just a little bit more information. I did like how they brought in the Omaha incident and they brought that back full force. And he, and the fact that he was watching that, we experienced it watching the other show, um, and knew like what, like the impact of that and the impact it had on the people of the cast in that show. Um, the characters in that show was pretty massive, but then having Rick observing it, and how it really just destroyed him. The idea that you were going to take out that like whole organ, like whole group of people, and then Thorne even her comments like, how did, exactly did that happen? Well, yeah, they um, don't know what happened, right? But they're they're not immediately thinking CRM did this. That's no, for sure. no, definitely not. Um, so there's, I feel like there's going to be a little bit more. Do you think they're going to bring some of the characters? back because they keep referencing these things i mean jada's coming jadis is coming back oh she's definitely coming back but i mean some of the other characters the kids? that yeah like it feels like maybe um maybe they'll do another show in portland uh when the sisters are all grown up maybe uh, and then there was the the big guy yeah i forget his name now oh gosh i just can i can see his face in yep, my head i can see his face and his um, hair he, he was a great he was a great character no he was fantastic on that so. show so uh, and he was in the crm as a soldier so yep. maybe he's maybe he will show up and will be like an easter egg silas. silas it was silas, silas. yeah okay. he could be like an easter egg for uh for this show yeah so um but in any case it was so exciting to see everybody it was kind of exciting to see a little bit about a little more about CRM from Rick's perspective. Um, and then the other thing is, it's like, even in and we saw this, you know, in the world beyond and other things, but even in how um, people are, are living in this particular world, like, he might just have he's like, sort of this, um, before he joins the CRM, he's, he's still like, you know, just doing this sort of like grunt work. But it's secure and he has food and you know it's not the same world that he was living in before and then once he joins crm there's even more security and you have like a little bit like the commonwealth like you have like a nice place to live and you have food and you have all these people around you and you get to sit by you know look at the skyline without worrying about dying um so it, it really is such a contrast from what he was experiencing before, although obviously we know he wants to go back to that. Um, but what all he wants is freedom. Yep. And he doesn't want people choosing for him until he eventually chooses not to choose anymore. Yeah. And then the other thing he keeps saying is like, oh, nobody's allowed to leave. I mean, we've talked about this before. It's like, if you set up a society in this way, people are going to leave. Like, there's just no way that they're going to... Like, maybe out of fear, maybe some of them buy into the whole CRM mantra and their whole thing. But I don't know. Like, 
And maybe, again, that's why they go after Bs instead of As. And the explanation we hear about Bs and As is that Bs are just, like, good survivalists, but they don't really um, fight for what they believe in. Or they'll fight just to survive versus fight to the death. Um, so that's sort of the distinction that they finally make. I mean, I know it was a long time coming, many seasons before we figured out what A's and B's are and that they like put that whole thing into the, into the ether, but there you go. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's also just a little bit ludicrous that Jadis would be calling in a helicopter to pick up a B. Yeah. Uh, I feel like B's must be lousy all over the U.S., Mm. Uh, but A's they don't want. So it's uh, it's also just like, okay, how does this recruiting thing work? You really need to go find them by, by helicopter? And you need agents like Jadis out there to find you some bees? Well, and also, didn't it feel implausible that she was actually an agent? Like, the whole thing of her whole thing. Everything about her has been implausible. Yeah, it just, it's a weird thing. Maybe we'll find out more, I guess, in this whole season, but... Um, she's an incredibly strange character and that just seems absolutely like not, it does just not seem like it makes sense. And again, the energy expended to come and pick up some guy who's half dead after a bridge, he got blown up off of a bridge. And was impaled on rebar right before that. And also, wouldn't people hear the helicopter? Wouldn't they like think that this is kind of a weird thing that We're they haven't seen? We're a secret seen? society who fly around in helicopters. That's... I mean, helicopters are some of the loudest things that you can hear, and especially when there isn't any background noise at all in the world, and you think that that's not going to attract attention. And they're flying all over the place. They got they a lot fly, of helicopters, yeah. They fly these helicopters like there is no tomorrow. And also, again, like we see a little bit of like, at least they went on a fuel run. At least they went on a resources run. Yeah. And we saw a little bit of that. But even so, that's still not going to keep them in fuel for the longest time, right? Yeah, unless like, they're refining it themselves. Maybe. But so, yeah, this there's a lot of questions still about CRM. There's questions that we might not get answers to next episode. But we're going to learn more about Michonne and those, uh, that, those folks that she joined up with at the end of season 10, I think, when she joined that giant convoy going through the wilderness. Um, so we'll, we'll find out more about her adventures, where she gets rocket bullets from, how she learned how to shoot down helicopters with one round mm. that goes right into the guy we need to tell us what's happening next. I know. Um, but in this one, I think it was effective. It was it was good to, to do that. Oh, God. Rick is such a mess. Uh, and we know that he would have to go through a lot to get to where we find him at the end of the episode. Um, so overall, I think it was it was successful. It just had a couple of gimpalisms, maybe. Oh, yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. I guess I am, you know, we're going to see Michonne's side of things in the next episode. I do think that once we actually get into real time with the two of them are interacting... I do feel like Rick's going to have a lot of explaining to do because while Michonne is super happy to see him, he is fully tricked out in CRM stuff. He was in this helicopter. I definitely don't think that she expected to find him, but maybe we're wrong and she had some intelligence about this, but probably she wouldn't have tried to shoot down a helicopter if she thought he was in. If so, she, yeah, If she thought CRM were some of them were okay, she probably wouldn't be doing that. My guess is she thinks that they're holding him somewhere, and so she was trying to find her way in or maybe take hostages. Or... She was just killing all those guys. She was killing all those guys. You're right. So I don't know. Um, I I think that 
they're they are gonna have to have a little bit of a sit down and talk through all of this. <laughs> it's, I mean, and it's who knows? Be, he didn't. He didn't get to say anything. No, there was just that really great Andrew Lincoln Rick look and Michonne's look. Mm, it was pretty good. Like she, yeah, they're just both in in complete shock. And I wonder how much of a switch is going to get flipped in him if he'll be like, "Oh, I was thinking about you so much until I burned all your pictures and letters that I wrote to you uh, a year ago." I swear I was thinking about you. So we'll see. Uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to find out. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I am intrigued by the idea that Andrew Lincoln and Denai Guerrero are on the same page as Scott mm-hmm. Gimple in writing this show. So we'll see where they take well, us. Well, look, they are very involved in this. Again, it would have taken an enormous amount to get Andrew Lincoln to come back to this franchise. He was very burned out when he left. Um, I know that this has kind of gone through several evolutions about what it was supposed to be. Um, it was supposed it was to be like a movie, movie yeah. maybe and a bunch of movies. Um, pandemic happened too. So that was probably maybe something that got into the way of things, but I actually am kind of heartened by the fact that the two of them are involved in this, um, because I do think that they're both invested in those characters and in their, the, the whole story. Um, so I'm hoping that that means positive things, but you never know. Yeah. So we shall see. However, I'm psyched that they're getting credit. That's also a pretty positive thing. Um, but it's kind of all the thoughts that I have currently on the show. Do you Same. have anything else? So uh, if you've seen it, if you want to share your thoughts about the the premiere um, of The Ones Who Live, even if it's just about the title, give us a shout. You can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can leave us a review anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And you can find all of our previous episodes online at reanimated.podbean.com. That's a good job that you just did there, Stuart. Thank you. I'm very, very proud of and you. And now you've seen me do it live, so you know what the mouth movements look like. You yeah, can do it. it's great. It's great. <laughs> it's never going to happen. No. Um, <laughs> this was our 400th episode of Reanimated. Uh, thank you for listening to it. I'm Stuart. Thanks for listening. I'm AJ. And uh, we do appreciate your patronage. (laughs) Um, Until next time, ciao. Bye for now.